Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone. So excited that you are sticking and staying with us right here at WCCO Radio. My goodness, there's so much going on, but a lot of people, especially young people, I would say when I say young people, let's look at around 24 and up. And they are very concerned about the prices of so many things here in our great um, state as well as in our country. We know that there are a lot of things that are happening, like, for example, For more than 75% of participants in a recent bank rate survey said that they did not make any contributions to their emergency funds in 2023. Now, with crushing inflation and rises in interest rates, many feel like they're behind on the essentials as we head to the end of the year. And I agree with this. Seriously, it's not just young people. It's middle class people. I mean, um, uh, middle aged people. It's the elderly. It's so many people are very concerned about where we are going. Where are we going when it comes to our lives and what we do have in order to feed our families and that sort of thing? Well, to talk about all of this, to dive into these issues and hopefully provide some help, uh, we've invited Matt Elliott on the program the founder of Pulse Financial Planning in Rochester, and he's joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. How are you, Matt? May I call you Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. call me Matt, and and thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Okay, this is a really big deal that not enough people that I know, particularly people of color, I don't have those conversations with a lot of people of color. I am a black woman. And it it used to be that you would talk about it. You know, if you all of a sudden was in a mall or in a grocery store and someone came up to you and said, hey, I heard you talking about, you know, surveys about emergency funds. And, you know, that's something we all should be talking about that. Hey, let's go sit down for a minute at Barley's and just kind of talk about what we need, what you need and what I need. And I bet it's completely opposite. These are the things that people want to know. But maybe we've put it aside. Where do you think we are uh, here in the great state of Minnesota? Where are we when it comes to looking at what emergency funds are? Are we still on top of it as Americans? Are we still doing what we need to do to make sure that we get out of all of this, you know, with something, something worth something? Yeah, yeah. I think as you pointed out, um, that they've definitely fallen behind. Americans and Minnesotans as well have fallen behind on on saving for emergency funds. And, you know, I think there's a lot of factors there. Um, Oftentimes the most obvious answer is the right one. So inflation, I think, has been a a big impact and um, made it more difficult for a lot of families to, you know, not just meet their their 
day-to-day bills, but also to be saving for, for those emergencies and other short-term goals that might be coming up. So um, that, that certainly has made it harder here over the last uh, two years now. We've really been facing that higher inflation. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. We talk about the inflation right now and the interest rates as, as well that are rising, and it's really frustrating because when we first heard about inf- uh, inflation, some of us got comfortable. It's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't sound bad at all. It's really okay. Yet as the days and months go, all of a sudden you start to feel it. You feel the pain. Do you see it that way? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think inflation is one of those things that's kind of, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts where you don't really – see it, you know, you're not thinking about it um, every day. And at, even at the end of the month, you might look at your bank account and then and wonder, you know, where did all this money go? You don't, um, it's not any one thing. It's just the aggregation of all these things costing more and, and you know, wages maybe not uh, keeping pace with what we've seen with inflation is a big part of that too. If we're not seeing, you know, if you're not seeing your take-home pay go up as much as the cost of things is going up, um, you're gonna you're gonna feel that at the end of the month, and it does make it a lot more difficult to do things like save um, save for your emergency funds. So, as you, you you know so much about this, are you looking around the country uh, to define where we what Americans are really thinking about when it comes to having emergency funds? And that's I keep mentioning emergency funds because I know I'm one that look at that and go, Oh my God, do I have enough? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, a good point, and. and and maybe just defining what that is is a good starting point. So I, I generally tell most people, think of your emergency fund as three to six months worth of your expenses that's sitting in bank account that you are not touching and don't plan to touch for anything other than for what it's stated for there for an emergency. So heaven forbid there's a loss of income for some period of time or there's an accident problem. There's lots of things that we, we, we try to plan for as much as we can to come to our finances. But the one thing that we, we know, inevitably, the thing that we don't plan for will pop up at some point. So that's what that emergency fund is there for. I usually say three to six months, you know, for most people make sense. Make that more if, you're, um, if your income is potentially more volatile. So if you're self-employed, um, maybe your employer, there's, there's some, some questions there. In most cases, I would recommend trying to go up to as much as 12 months of expenses as you can. Um, but as you know, we talked about at the beginning, just even saving anything is a good starting point when it's been, it's been tough for a lot of Americans and Minnesotans as well to put away the savings that, um, that we really need to to be secure. How much would you recommend? Is there, can you give us a number where you can say at least start here and hold on to it? Yeah, it, it depends on your your. It depends a lot on what your monthly expenses are. So if you, you know, look at your budget, you spend five thousand dollars a month on average. Fifteen to thirty thousand would be um, a, a good healthy emergency fund. And if that's an intimidating number for you, a lot of these things when it comes to finance, just like you know, when we go to the gym, you don't you don't go to the gym and after a couple of days or a couple of weeks expect to look like the rock, right? It, it, it takes a while. So just getting on a, uh, on the path to maybe saving a few hundred dollars or, or, or what, what we can to start to get towards those figures. Um, so I, I would look at it as a, a factor of your monthly expenses to decide right. what's right for you. Right, fifteen to 30000 Some people are gasping right now as they listen to that number because maybe to you that number may seem really small, um, but there are Minnesotans and so many others. And I, I just had my vacation in Los Angeles, and I have to tell you that with the cost of everything, if you want to buy toothpaste, mm-hmm. 
it's way more than it is here in the Twin Cities, right? Um, and so people mm-hmm. are, are frustrated, and um, young people who are excited about all of this building that's been happening here in the Twin Cities, um, and I'm, I'm very excited that the, the Twin Cities are doing okay. But a lot of young people are starting to complain about the prices. So when does mm-hmm. it, when, the ebb and flow of it all, um, when, do, when would you say there will come a time this year or next year when you will have some, a way of just stopping and take and exhaling. Yeah, I think, I mean, it really depends on your personal situation, but I think unfortunately on, on an aggregate level, things might get a little bit tougher for a period of time coming up, primarily due to if you have student loans, this isn't going to be news to you, but student loan payments resumed uh, here just in October again. So, It's one of those things where they spent over two years now not having to pay on your federal student loans, and it's pretty easy to absorb that into our, you know, maybe your monthly spending or your budget when you're not having to pay that. But then when that switch gets turned and all of a sudden that that student loan bill shows up again, that's one added bill. And for a lot of people, it's a substantial bill um, that just started again here in October. So um, that's that's one piece that might make things a, a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and so th- these are definitely issues and, and 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 problems for a lot of Americans. But I think you know way, things that we can try to focus on um, would be to you know there's a, a few ways to look at it. Unfortunately, we can't you know, make money appear out of thin air. I wish I wish we could, but um, you know we either have to try to figure out ways to earn more or spend less. That's going to be the equation to trying to get to a place of a little bit more savings. And, and, and one thing, you know, and everyone, again, everyone's situation is a little bit different and, and uh, employment situations vary. Um, but one thing that I would encourage, especially if you're uh, maybe you're, you're raised discussion annually, a lot of times those occur around now through through the beginning of, uh, of, the, of the year, look at what inflation has been over the last couple of years and, and really maybe think about trying to use that as a negotiating tool with your employer saying, hey, um, we have seen uh, prices go up. My my wage hasn't kept pace with that, um, and, and you know, really, really, really try to see if if you can use that as a tool to try to increase your your earning power potentially a little bit. Again, I know everyone's situation is different, but um, there's not a whole lot of downside to going to negotiate to your employer. I think it's something a lot of people uh, could do more of. Um, you know, most employers, if you ask for more money and you clearly state why, hey, here's what inflation's been, my wage hasn't kept up with that, um, they're not going to fire you for, for bringing that up. A worst case scenario is you're in the same plot, uh, place you are right now and maybe not getting the, way, the, the increase in your wage that you hoped for. Um, but, um, you know, there's a chance that they could um, offer that to you. And, and it's, it's worthwhile. I think it's worth your time to try to uh, see if you can uh, increase your earning power that way. Yeah, we have a few more minutes, Matt. And I'm just curious to know about the bank rate uh, survey. What else did you learn from it? Um, what I've read and you and I have talked about so far, that seems to be the, the norm. You know, this we always hear about the bank rate survey, and these are some of the things we're going to hear about, especially if there are increases um, in, on the inflation. So what else did you hear, though? What did you? What pearl did you find that said, hey, we need to go deeper into this particular thing? Yeah, so I think, I mean, as far as maybe little things that we can try to do to to help with increasing our savings a little bit, I mentioned the earn more piece and just one thing to maybe for some people to try um, 
to, to see about ways to increase your earning there. But the other piece would be figuring out you know, how to, um, I mean, spend less, but also maybe just make it easier to um, to save. And so what I like to do, what I recommend a lot of clients do is set up what I call automatic savings. So um, we have a tendency, I think, for the money that's sitting in our bank account, it, it a lot of times gets spent. And that's that's human nature. That's the way that, uh, that we kind of work. But um, setting up you know, a deduction from your paycheck that goes to a separate account that's maybe a high-yield savings account somewhere that you're not touching, you're not looking at day-to-day. When you go to the ATM, you're not seeing that as a piece of that balance there. Right. Um, lo and behold, you know, when, it, when it's not there right in front of you, that temptation's a little bit less, and that can be one way, that, an effective tool that I've seen that can help with um, making it easier to save because it's not fun, and, and I, know, I know we all have bills, and it can be tough to do, um, but it, it, it makes it at least a little bit more um, palatable if, if it's just um, kind of set up on an automatic way where you're not having to think about it and you're not tempted to, um, it's easier to buy things than ever now with Amazon and everything else. So um, reducing that temptation a little bit always helps. Well, I sure appreciate you joining us tonight. Matt Elliott, he's the founder of Pulse Financial Planning. Um, and of course, we've learned a lot tonight and we really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Have a great night. You too, sir. Okay, so here's the thing, everyone. Um, We heard this, and we know that it's always inflation, right? We hear that word every year. Why is it that there is? Is it set up for inflation to be there every year? Is it that it's automatically put in so that, you know, people are going to struggle? I don't understand why it happens all the time. I don't know of a year in the last 20 years when we didn't have that. So if anybody knows, let me know. (laughs) But it's frustrating. It's just constantly happening, you know, where we don't trust it anymore. Many of us sit and think, oh, forget about it, you know, everything's going up. I saw a family trying to buy groceries at one of the very well-known grocery stores, and it was very difficult. You know, she had to put things back. You know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get that. I'm sorry, I'm not going to get that. Do you know how painful that is to see that? A mother struggling just to have the food. There was no cookies. There were no, you know, um, outrageous things that she was buying. She was really, really working hard to make sure she got what she needed for her children. But it's really tough to watch it happen. And please do. When you see it, say something. If you have an extra $10, then give an extra $10. Do whatever you can do. Have a conversation with the family, with the parents or the mother. Have a conversation and say, I can imagine what you're going through. Is there anything I can help today? You know, I have $5. Does that help you? We have to help each other because this whole system of how the little people, I call us the little people, what happens to us, you know, when there are so many on the outside of the little people that don't have to worry about any of those things. But can you imagine what it's like? Because I remember when I had two children, babies, there were times that inflation was a real problem. I mean, my first house, Jonathan, that we owned, we bought a house, and the interest was 16%. 16%, and the, the house cost $30,000. 16%. Why? Right? And we've had some inflation in the last few years. It's painful. And they were saying, oh, all the houses, just no houses because nobody can find them. Have you been looking? There are houses now that are available. I have found some. There are houses that are available. There are always going to be houses that are available. 
It's just going to be how affordable can you get them at. Again, exactly. that same house that you bought for $30,000 back when you and your husband, your ex-husband bought that home, mm-hmm. how much would that be worth today? Right. I I would be stunned if it wasn't at least twice, if not three times that amount. If it wasn't that house that you bought, it might be low triple di- or I'm sorry, low six figures now. Well, I tried, it may be. I tried to figure out all sorts of things when we were living there. In fact, um, they I was told by the history, um, the history center that possibly the Ramsey family, like had a, a were growing fruits and vegetables on that lot. And I thought, okay, is there anything I can do about that? Is there something how we can use that in some way? And there wasn't. There just wasn't. Mm. Um, but, man, can you imagine that much, 16%? That's a lot. That's that's a big amount mm-hmm. as far as the uh, the percentage rate, the interest rate. That's big. Right. And then things got better. Thank goodness. So there you go. It's very frustrating. And I can understand so many of you listening tonight going, what is happening? Why do we keep going through this constant windfall, you know, this this hurricane that shows up around this time of the year? It's ridiculous. There's got to be something we can do about it. There's just got to be. I don't understand it. All right. I think we're going to have to take a break. But I do want you to know that um, I do care about it, and I know you care about it as well. Our next guest comes up at 835. His name is Dan Olson. He's the managing director of a place called Anselm House. I'm sorry, Ansel House. Ansel House is on at the University of Minnesota. It's part of the University of Minnesota. And they're having a big event coming up. And I wanted to talk about what they do. And it really is quite remarkable. You don't want to miss this. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is now 827 here at WCCO. Welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with us on a Sunday night. I tell you, there's so much in the news. There's so much going on. I'm really grateful for Jonathan Lowe, who really, uh, in fact, he is my producer and uh, from the 7 o'clock to the 9 o'clock hour. And then from 9 to 10 is uh, Chris Tubbs, who is the producer of that hour. And that's all about entertainment, all arts and entertainment. And we just love it. We love talking about it. We love um, visiting with all of the artists that come through the Twin Cities. It's just so cool uh, what we have here in the great state of Minnesota, especially the Twin Cities. Um, we have a great guest coming up. And um, before we get to that, I do want to say that 
we have uh, um, a chance to raise our voices. You remember how seeing the unions striking, you know, they were out there marching and walking and screaming and trying their best to be heard, right? Um, there were some that brought their children, you know, where it wasn't so warm outside, and then others, you know, just made sure they were wrapped up well if they needed to be. And and it's frustrating, right? Because you're screaming and you've got all of these signs up and you're trying to talk to people and negotiate and and you realize it's really not moving. It's not moving. You're not we're not learning anything bigger or better. We're still screaming about the same things. And I don't understand why that is happening. I don't get it. It's very, very frustrating. And I keep saying to myself, Geraldine, you gotta pay attention. Pay attention to what their words mean. That means I have to do my research, right? I have to make sure I understand what it is that they're screaming about. One thing is for sure. If we are, if we are um, not receiving the funds or the possibilities for our lives going forward, if we are not getting that in our unions, then we need to really <laughs> we need to change some folks out, right? I'm part of unions. I have two unions that I'm a part of. But at the same time, are they getting everything that they want? No. Have they ever? Yeah, a long time ago. Unions have been around for a long time. But just know that people are still screaming. Some people are still walking. Some people are really frustrated with what they ended up getting and felt like it's not enough because of inflation. (laughs) Everything is costing more. So work on that. Find out how you can use your voice, even if... The march is all done, and they've made, they've signed the contract, and it's done. Keep going. Keep looking into it. Keep finding out and figuring out what is it I want, what is it I need, and who do I go to to figure it out. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Of course, we have been talking about some really important things. I hope you've gleaned a lot from the information. My next guest is something that I, uh, someone that I have met a while ago. And we have forged um, a somewhat of a friendship. And I have to tell you, um, the University of Minnesota is so incredible. It, most of us are very familiar with it. Um, but there are things you probably don't know about it, especially about an organization that I have been introduced to that is dedicated to connecting students at the University of Minnesota and the faculty of Christian faith Yep, and expanding their experiences through campus life. Now, Anselm House has been providing that connection for over 40 years. I didn't know anything about this, right? I've had a relationship with the University of Minnesota, and I did not know that this place existed. Now I've had a chance to see it, to meet some of the people that are in charge, like our guest tonight. Um, Now, there's going to be a big fundraiser coming up, and I am a part of that, and I want to tell you about that soon. However, we really want to talk about what is Anselm House and why does it exist on the campus. Dan Olson is going to join us. He's the managing director of Anselm House. And we're going to talk about what it provides and to preview this event that is coming up. Again, it's Dan Olson, the organizer's managing director. Uh, He's joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Hello, Dan. How are you? Gerald, it's so good to hear your voice, and I'm so excited to get a chance to, to visit with you. I'm, I'm well. 
Well, it's really great to hear your voice and to know that this is coming up so fast. So tell us all about Anselm House and why it exists. Yeah, well, there is no other institution. Um, I know Governor Walls once called the University of Minnesota the beating heart of the state of uh, Minnesota. And we believe that uh, ultimately Anselm House is there to help uh, the hearts of students and faculty at the University of Minnesota to have their hearts kind of come into the beating heart of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're a center for Christian study that exists to help students and faculty at the University of Minnesota connect Christian faith and knowledge with all of life. So we provide hospitality and educational programs for students. We host conversations, lectures, and courses that are open to the general public. We like to say that we exist to help the University of Minnesota become a great place to get a Christian education. Um, that's a, a bit about what we are. Something that's happened in the last three years, and Gerald, you came and got a chance to see this, is a community of hundreds of supporters uh, you know, gave millions and millions of dollars to help us acquire and remodel a major presence right at the corner of Oak and Washington. That's kind of the busiest intersection at the heart of the University of Minnesota. And so uh, for for 40 years of our existence, we were sort of a small organization on the margins of the U. Mm -hmm. And now we are really centered at the heart of the University of Minnesota. And it's a real exciting time for our mission. And there are lots of students that are coming through Anselm House. Um, many of them who maybe never heard of it, uh, there are the new ones, there are those who have been um, really a part of this for many years. I'm curious to know, how does the rest of the university feel about this? Do you have relationships with all different types of people on the campus? And are they starting to flood in as well, or have they always? Yeah, that's a good question. We do. We see ourselves as kind of an ecumenical Christian community on mm -hmm. campus. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have a, so I guess it's, it kind of depends on who you ask, but our, um, the faculty and staff at the university probably have known more about us than, than some of the students have over the years. We, we today run something called our Center for Faith and Learning, where we host conversations and roundtables. We bring kind of luminary scholars to town. Um, I like to call them, uh, two winged exemplars. And I can explain that. Um, we sort of like to, to say that the faculty and students at the University of Minnesota will shape the mind of the world, but will they do so with one wing or with two? And um, there's a famous theologian, uh, Pope John Paul II, who said that faith and reason are like the two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of the truth. And so we sort of feel like we exist to sort of serve the University of Minnesota to help it remember that reason alone uh, really um, is going to is going to make uh, for for not a, not a great flight. You know, you need both your both your faith wing and your reason wing to uh, to to fly well. We like to think of students at the University of Minnesota kind of like um, have you seen the movie Top Gun Maverick? Carolyn? Yes. So uh, we like to see the students at the University of Minnesota like Top Gun fighter pilots, and they're in the cockpit on the runway preparing to take off. But radio control is a little bit reluctant to tell them two things. You know, one, their ultimate destination, and two, that they may not be using their faith wing <laughs> as well right. as they should. So, yeah, but we, but students, 
our, a big part of our posture is one of hospitality. So, um, so students, whether they come from a Christian faith background, a Muslim faith background, or no faith background at all, they're welcome into our space. They're welcome into our programs. And we like to see our mission as um, kind of a, an open arms uh, to the community on campus. You know, it's really quite remarkable that you have this at the University of Minnesota. And so many people that I've mentioned it to don't never heard of it. And I'm just curious to know, you are inviting all types of people, all types of students, uh, professors into Anselm House. Um, are you getting complaints? Are people saying, now, wait a minute, what is what is this for at the University of Minnesota? It's not a Christian university. What do you say? Yeah, well, we are, we are Anselm House is a separate organization uh, from the University of Minnesota. And the University of Minnesota really is a, it's a pluralistic university, so... Um, and that is sort of their, uh, they want to encourage, you know, students to engage in faith communities as well as the scholarly, you know, academic communities that they're engaged in on campus. Right. So, you know, the University of Minnesota has 52,000 students, faculty, um, and uh, staff. It's a, it's a huge place. It's dizzyingly diverse. And... Um, you know, about 36% of incoming freshmen have some affiliation with the Christian faith. Um, more than 64% report, you know, being nun or agnostic, atheist or, or Hindu or Muslim or something like that. So we believe that the University of Minnesota is a place for everyone, of course. Um, and so uh, our mission is really to be, uh, we like to say, we like to see ourselves as sort of a college of grace, you know, in the in the Christian historic sense of what grace is ultimately um, meant to be, we like to celebrate the grace, um, both the common grace that's on display at the university of where, whether anybody identifies with the Christian faith or not, and the amazing grace, you know, of, of redemption and salvation that um, Christians have uh, reflected on and celebrated uh, since the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Well, after meeting you and some of your uh, team at Anselm House, one thing I did realize is that it is so much more. They are there to help each other in so many ways. It's not just about their faith, even though their faith is, you know, first and foremost. However, they are really there to help one another. And um, that's a beautiful thing. Any place that you can have on a campus, because campuses are not easy. They're not easy to to find relationships, to find people that are like themselves, um, especially in their faith or um, just just to be able to say, hey, you're more like me. I want to hang out with you. But Anselm House is really opening up its doors and windows and saying, come in, come in. I remember at the new spot that you're in, um, I saw the door flung open one day and I thought, oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> and, then, you know, if they want to come in, can they come in? Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, and our, um, our namesake, uh, you know, is St. Anselm of Canterbury. He was an 11th century Christian theologian, and um, he's famous for this prayer that unless I believe, I shall not understand. And we, we sort of like to see um, the intellectual work that happens at the university as, as extremely important. The, the university exists to discover knowledge. You know, the, the last campaign the university went through was driven to discover. And the work that happens in classes and labs and in the classrooms at the University of Minnesota is so important. 
Um, but we we sort of see our presence at the University of Minnesota, similar to how I think Anselm of Canterbury would have seen uh, some of the work of the college in a university setting, is that we want to f- help students and faculty become the kinds of people that know how to use knowledge wisely and well. And so I think we believe that that from a Christian perspective, that that means uh, seeing that in all things, um, that in Christ, really all things hold together. And so finding that kind of root of faith um, can really, um, we like to say that faith can, um, faith and reason really were, were meant to go together. And of course, there are lots of um, t- different types of denominations of Christians, right? For sure, <laughs> yeah. Whether Catholics and Orthodox and Lutherans and Presbyterians and Methodists, that's right. We, we're sort of an ecumenical Christian presence on campus. So, so people come to us uh, if, they, if they have a Christian faith background. You know, they'll, we try to encourage them to you know, be involved in a local church and you know, find people of, of uh, maybe similar theological perspectives. Um, but really our sort of distinctive um, charism, I guess I would say, is that we're trying to help students connect whatever their Christian faith identity may be uh, with the studies that they're pursuing. So the students that we're working with are going to be the future doctors, lawyers, engineers, um, you know, teachers, and they're going to be going out into the world, and we want them to we want to make sure that we're sending out whole people that are going to be um, be seeing their vocations as one of service and of denying of self and love of neighbor, which is ultimately, I think, how Christians have historically always seen their work. Well, what I really appreciate, uh, Dan, is that you guys open your doors. Um, because yeah. some people are really hurting. There are students that, you know, have been hurting on the campus, and if they can find solace, True. you know, in a space where they say, I'm safe, I'm free, right? Um, so that's, that's a right. beautiful part of it. So let's talk about the big gala that's coming out, coming yeah. up because this is a need, and it's a, a beautiful, beautiful um, event that is happening. Tell us more about it. Yeah, well, this year um, marks the 250th anniversary of the first singing of the hymn, Amazing Grace, which was written by um, a man by the name of John Newton. Uh, some of you probably uh, have know a little bit about that. Your listeners might, but it's really become something of the spiritual anthem of the English-speaking world. And um, the event on Thursday, November 9th, is a free event, and uh, it's open to anybody. There are actually tickets are still for still for not for sale, but free. Uh, students or people can go to anselmhouse.org slash amazinggrace. That's anselmhouse.org slash amazinggrace if they want to reserve their tickets. Registration closes tomorrow. Um, there will be an opportunity to, to give to support our work, but the evening will actually include a plenary talk by the leading historian on the life of John Newton, and it's, he's going to be telling the surprising story behind the hymn. You probably know uh, John Newton had a had a, a really a despicable past. He was a he was the captain of a slave ship um, carrying slaves from Africa to America. He came to faith and still remained uh, uh, a slave captain. And it was only through uh, grace in his own life that he came to recognize that uh, 
the slave trade was a despicable thing. And he um, he wrote the hymn Amazing Grace in part, uh, and, and the, you know, the, he, he believed that God saved a wretch like him. Yeah, that's the so word we, I don't like in that song at all, by the way. You should know that. You should know that. Seriously. Exactly. Uh, in fact, many times I have taken that word out. Um, and, and, of course, when it comes to hymns, um, a lot of people start to change the lyrics. They start to change the books that have been written, and they change the way things uh, were thought about years and decades and, you know, a, a long time ago. And then all of a sudden they say, okay, I don't want to hear any more because now it's a cacophony of understandings. Is that, Has that been a challenge for you um, at Anselm House, especially for the students? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the night the, the night of the ninth, we really want to have it be a, a night of celebration of grace in the lives of students and faculty but also to sort of, um, you know, especially in a time of extreme polarization where, uh, you know, religion, politics, race, these, these, there's such divisive um, dynamics in society in general. And so we want to ask ourselves, you know, can, can we as a society thrive in a, in a culture where grace is um, rarely expressed in a polarized space? And so I think, I think, there's lessons in the life of John Newton. There's lessons in each of our lives that that not only can we be dis, that we can we be forgiven, but we can also be deceived. And uh, but if we're deceived, we can also make amends. And that um, and that grace really, you know, grace understood, you know, from a Christian perspective is really just help. It's kind of divine help. Right. And that I think it's sort of a recognizing that. Uh, even at a place like the University of Minnesota, um, uh, it's sort of, I think, prideful to think that we don't need help from the outside. We talk about ins- it's going to be an inspiring night, and the word inspiring, you sort of ask, what, when something is inspired, it has to come from outside of ourselves. And I think we like to, we want to hold up the fact, and I think what you and Billy, we're so excited to have you and Billy as our musical guests that night. We're excited right. to hear from Bruce Hindmarsh and uh, we're excited to, to just celebrate together um, the fact that grace, um, that grace is something that, uh, that we all need and, the, and is amazing. So right. we're excited to, to fellowship and, and yeah, all of your, anybody listening is welcome to, to go to anselmhouse.org slash amazing grace. Right, exactly. My goodness. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Dan. I'm looking forward to being a part of it. I've never been a part of it there. This is new to me, and I can't wait to uh, let my listeners know uh, what I thought about it, what that experience was like, and uh, how the students you know, really felt that this is where I belong, right here at the University of Minnesota at the Ansel House. So this is a big deal. All right, sir. I look forward to seeing yeah, you soon. I'm so excited to seeing you in a week and a half, and uh, I hope some of your listeners can join us. It'll be a it'll be a wonderful night. Looking All forward right. To and if people want you. more information, where do they go? What website? Yeah, they go to if they go to anselmhouse.org slash amazing grace. Again, that's it's a n s e l m h o u s e dot o r g front slash amazing grace, and they can learn all about uh, not just you and Billy, but Dr. Heinmarsh and um, and some of the other, the fellowship and the stories that are going to be part of the night. So it's going to be at the uh, Graduate Hotel in the Meridian Ballroom, which is right in the heart of the University of Minnesota, just a block away from 
from our place and people can park easily right there, walk in the skyway into the ballroom, join for the night, be part of a festive dinner and celebration. And then we'll be done by eight o'clock and people can head home and, and, uh, and it shouldn't be, it'll be a two hour event, but we're excited to, to, to celebrate together. Dan, thank you so much. It's great to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice as well, Gerald, and see you in a week and a Stay half. Stay safe. I'll be there, dude. God willing. Yep. <laughs> Lord willing. All right. Take yep. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. We're going to take a break and come back in a moment. It is now 8.56 here at WCCO. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for sticking and staying with us. It is quite remarkable all the things that are happening in our nation, in our communities, in our homes, uh, in our schools. And as we try to put things together, <clears throat> just remember that there are other resources out there that you can claim. And uh, Anselm House is one at the University of Minnesota, on the campus of University of Minnesota. So do look more into it. Again, that is um, something that you might want to know about or maybe share with your neighbors and the children that are going to those schools in your neighborhood. So um, don't don't think that it's it's not worth learning about. It really is. All right. Um, We are so excited about Center Stage coming up next. Center Stage is all about arts and entertainment, and we want to make sure that you know as much about it as you can. So stay tuned. That's coming up next in just a few minutes. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.